You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. So instead of arguing whether we should mandate vaccines or not for the sake of the common good and for those who are vulnerable among us, as Jesus followers, we already have a mandate in place. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 402. Our reading this week is from the Gospel of John, John chapter 2, 1 through 11, and our title is Following Jesus in the Time of COVID. The Gospel of John reads, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He then said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it, and when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone who serves the everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So <clears throat> this story has received a lot of attention from Christians over the centuries. And whatever we take from this story, we have to remember that it only appears in the last canonical gospel to have been written. And it was written when the Christian movement was becoming deeply anti-Jewish and trying to distance itself from Judaism in the eyes of the Roman Empire. Christians have used this story to contrast the the jars that were used for for Jewish rites of purification with Jesus' best wine, as if to say that Jesus' teachings, though they were deeply Jewish, were at the same time superior to other Jewish wisdom and knowledge. Listen, we don't have to disparage any other religion, and especially not Judaism, to value the Jesus story. Anti-Semitic interpretations have historically been at the root of much of the harm Christians have committed against Jewish people, and we can and we must do better. This story has also been at the center of of teetotaler debates. There, There are arguments to this day about whether the wine Jesus made in the story 
story was grape juice or whether it was alcoholic. And these debates are just silly to me. The original audience would have understood that this story established Jesus as a great miracle worker. So what can we take away from this story in our context today? Well, one thing I like about this story is that only a few people were in the know about the miracle. Jesus, Mary, the servants, the disciples, the wealthy wedding party host were oblivious to what Jesus was up to. And this speaks to me of the reality that not everyone experiences life the same way. Recently, uh, Senator Harry Reid died, and Reid grew up in a family in Nevada that fought daily uh, to survive deep poverty. He carried his experiences with classism into his politics, into his adult life and his career. And so few Congress people today have any experience with, with poverty, real poverty in the United States. And it shows in the decisions they make in Congress. But our story this week gives a nod to the lower social classes for whom the Gospel of John was written. Jesus came to be for them. In other Gospels, uh, Jesus explains that the reign of God or, or, or God's just future was for the poor, for the outcast, for the marginalized, the excluded, those who were the laborers at, at wedding feasts, not the ones who were uh, being, being uh, celebrated there. You can find this in Luke 2, uh, or Luke 6, I'm sorry, 22 through 24, and cross-reference that with Matthew 5. But also in this story, Jesus' mother, Mary, she her voice is centered. A woman in that society is the one really responsible for this miracle from a reluctant Jesus. Mary persuades Jesus to do what John's gospel treats as, as Jesus's inaugural, inaugural miracle. And with Mary's trust in Jesus, this version of the Jesus story really begins. Mary's words to the servants are at the heart of, of her role in this narrative. When she says, do whatever he tells you, I imagine the original audience would have heard this very clearly. For us today, following Jesus is much less about creeds and much more about the, the ethics that we choose to live our lives by. Are we doing whatever he tells us? Are we endeavoring to do what Jesus told us? Are we, too, uh, expending our energy to make our world a safer, more compassionate, uh, just home for those that our present system makes poor, outcast, or marginalized, or excludes? Consider these ancient words found in the epistle of James. This is James 2, 14 through 18. What good is it, my siblings, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a person is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do nothing to supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show show you my faith. So, so we find this emphasis that we, we read about in James, we find this same emphasis in the Gospel of John, spoken later in John 13, 35. It says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love.
love for one another. So what designates one as a, a follower of Jesus in the stories is not the creeds that, that we mentally assent to or not, but, but the kind of life we choose to live. Again, it's those words, uh, do whatever he tells you. Uh, what's the, what are the kind of values that we seek to embody? What are the kind of ethics that we endeavor to practice? What we believe it does translate into actions, but the emphasis in these teachings is always on which actions our beliefs uh, give birth to. So Christianity sacred texts repeat this principle of doing uh, and having our doing be defined by love over and over again. One of my favorite passages is in Romans 13, 10, love does no harm to one's neighbor. There's that definition of doing uh, what he told us to do, of loving, and what does that love look like? It does no harm to one's neighbor. This is a principle. Um, it's one of the greatest areas, I think, of, of uh, greatest principles of misunderstanding by Christians today in the time of COVID. Our actions can and do protect us, protect ourselves, but they also have implications for others. Like others who are, are living lives of compassion, Jesus followers should be choosing a course of action that takes into account the potential for harming others. This is love. Love takes yourself into account, sure, but it also takes into account the well-being and safety of those around you. What does that mean for a Jesus follower living in a global pandemic? Well, it means that if you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you can wear a mask, wear a mask. Concern yourself with neighbors who, who may be immunocompromised. I think of a few friends of mine, uh, as I say that, at different stages of the pandemic, certain communities have been more heavily impacted than others. Concern yourself with those who are particularly affected. Globally, vaccine disparity means that countries uh, ravaged by colonialism are still to this day vulnerable to severe outbreaks. And instead of arguing whether we should mandate vaccines or not for the sake of the common good and for those who are vulnerable among us, as Jesus followers, we already have a mandate in place. Love your neighbor as yourself. This mandate requires us uh, to act not only for our own best interest, but also for the best interests of others. We live in a system that is putting vulnerable people in harm's way. What can we do while we are working to change the system to, to mitigate some of that harm? What can we, what, what, what can what steps can we take? We can take every step to mitigate harms that we may cause others, and others might take advantage of our efforts, but that's not our chief concern. Our priority needs to be doing everything we can to protect those our present system makes vulnerable. So in this week's story, Mary simply says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Those words have echoed from within this story over the centuries for every generation of Jesus followers. Uh, Jesus has told us to love. And as this new year begins, take a moment to take inventory of your life. Today, how is the Jesus of this story telling you to love? Heart Group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's Eastside or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, 
How is the Jesus of this story telling you to love in 2022? Discuss that with your group. And what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. 